is there enough water for farming in Whatcom County? A lot of people think, well, yeah. It's been called into question. Is there enough water? And this is the other balancing factor. Is there enough water for fish for the restoration of endangered species of salmon specifically? And other fish in, well, for us here in Whatcom County, in the Nooksack River and its tributaries. Okay, well, that's another big question. And then ultimately, the question that I want to ask this morning is, is there enough water for both of those to happen, for farming and for fish? Welcome back. This is The Farming Show on KGMI News Talk 790. I'm your host, Dylan Honkoop, here with Save Family Farming and Whatcom Family Farmers. And this is a big, hairy, difficult subject that has been a bone of contention between so many different people and so many groups for a long, long time for a variety of reasons. But really, especially over the past few decades, has, has congealed around the issue of salmon recovery and is farming at odds with salmon recovery. And how can we do farming in a way that's not at odds with it? And then for farming to continue, and we want to be able to, to see a future for, for family farming here in our community and in Northwest Washington. And really a lot of this stuff goes far beyond Whatcom County, really has implications across Washington State. But uh, one, of the, one of the focus areas, and of course for this program, is here locally. Can farming continue? Is there enough water uh, to continue farming in Whatcom County? And how do we manage that? Who has the right to that water rights? There's a big issue. Water rights. Um, by the way, I want to thank uh, sponsors of this program, Laurel Farm and Western Supply, uh, Farmers Equipment Company, as well as McAvoy Oil. All three of those uh, businesses supporting having these conversations here on Saturday morning about issues that are so important to the future of farming in our community. Joining me right now, live, well, I would say in studio, but really in office. Now now that we work in the same building, um, glad to have Henry Beerlink on the program, executive director, I guess, of, of a few different things but most importantly here to this conversation to the ag water board which is the governing body overseeing the the areas in our, in our county's multiple watershed improvement districts which are really focused on the exact thing we're talking about this morning water and is there enough water first off <laughs> let's just answer the big hairy question first and then we can get into the details. Henry, what's the answer to my questions here? Is there enough water for farming? Is there enough water for fish? And is there enough for both of them to coexist, to use a, a bit of lingo, to coexist simultaneously? Thanks, Dylan, for the opportunity to be on. And I've been accused of being long-winded sometimes, so I'm going to answer that question in one word. Yes. <laughs> so there is enough water, but we're, we're told that there's not by some voices. What does that mean, and how? What, what's going on here? Well, I think there's some question about how we have managed water over you know, uh, many, many decades, a uh, century, and uh, we have made a lot of changes to the water system that worked really well for fish back in uh, the 1800s and early 1900s until the Point Elliot Treaty that when it established the reservations for the tribes and there are provisions in there that they are going to have enough, with, uh, enough fish to subs uh, keep that reservation um, and meet all the needs. And the way the water is managed now, um, that calls that into question at certain times in the year. And, and it's interesting. You're talking about... Um 
legal issues for many years past, tribal issues, community issues, and, and that's another thing I guess I really didn't introduce in the beginning where we talk about fish in terms of the environment and restoring the environment, but part of that also is tribal rights, fishing rights, etc., that are very connected to those environmental concerns, but that's another part of the obligation to figure this out is it's more than just what's best for the fish, it's what honors and, and and respects those tribal rights as well right and that, that that makes this even more complicated to figure out because of all these interests that that focus and come to bear on this one issue that's absolutely true they all um certainly what it boils down to is that tribal rights and the and their their history their culture their need to have fish have to be respected the law requires that. I think even common sense requires that. So mm -hmm. we have to figure out a way to make sure that their rights and and um, and the the ability of the fish to survive well and thrive actually coincide with agriculture's right to continue to be here and actually and be uh, sustainable. Okay, so I guess that adds into my list of questions at the beginning. And you're saying still yes that farming. Uh, fish and tribal rights as far as the the need for water and fish can coexist there is enough if managed correctly for this to work so why is it why is there a problem what, what what's what's the sticking point here because a lot of people are concerned about the future the tribe is concerned about their rights and and they and, and environmental co-managers of the fisheries and things like that are they're concerned about the future of the you know especially the endangered species of fish you know king salmon the co or the um the chinook salmon i should say uh farming is worried about their future and whether or not i mean this is in some ways a follow-up to conversation we had recently with a, a local farmer that we'll be talking about more in a moment hans wolfesberg and how he's been shut off of water of late um you add in all these factors a lot of stuff to think about a lot of stuff to put together um but you're saying again that yes that this will work it can work. I know that it can. I think because we, we live in a place where there is an abundant amount of water. There are some places around the West and other parts of the world where water is at a huge premium and that there just simply isn't enough for all the needs. That's not true here in Whatcom County. We live in a place with have a lot of water. And it's just how we manage it. And there are critical times of the year when both farmers and fish both need it. Now, the question is, could we manage it in a different way so that we are able to make meet both of those needs and um in and i think that's the answer to that is clearly yes but the laws and the treaties and all the other things that go around managing water aren't always working in our both tribes or farmers advantage so we have a lot of little a lot of details to work through to be able to get that done in some ways what happened with hans wolfesberg and his organic dairy there now just southeast of linden is the tip of the iceberg as far as really trying to figure this issue out and, and figure out you know do farmers have the ability the rights again use this loaded term uh to use uh, enough water to be able to run their operations. Explain what, what's going on with that Hans Wolfesberg situation. Well, uh, just go back a little bit in history, and I'll go back to like the early 90s, 1990s. We can go back a lot farther than that if we'd <laughs> yeah, like to, but yeah. let's start there. Uh, at that time, the tribes became um, aware of the fact that um, they needed to quantify, that means to determine what is the number of what should the flows be in the river and the tributaries in order to be able to meet with fish demands. 
Uh, this comes back from the Bolt decision and Bolt and all a bunch of different things that go preceded that. Uh, at that time, then uh, farmers became realized that hey, a lot of farmers have been using water without really the full legal right to do so, and as a result, the farm community got together, worked with the Department of Ecology. Ecology said, "Hey, let's put in applications for any of the water rights that you guys have, any of the water that you've been using. Let's try to get it all legal and get this all straightened out, so that the tribes can then work on getting their rights quantified in the river." Um, Hans, the farm that Hans on, the owner at that time, put in an application for a water right, for a groundwater well. And Hans has been using that based on that promise now for a lot of years. In fact, Hans is among about 300 and so 400 different applications, wells that are in that same sort of status. They're unpermitted at this point, but they're in that sort of a holding pattern that's saying, hey, nobody wants to shut these people off because um, agriculture would get shut down. At that time, we created then the Ag Preservation Committee, became Farm Friends, and now Family Farming, and the mm -hmm. Ag Water Board are all kind of follow out of that whole stream of what um, been working on this issue for a lot of years. Well, you talk about, and, and you mentioned Department of Ecology, they're kind of the, the government authority here on Washington right. State to deal with these water quantity issues and a lot of quality issues as well. Um, they're involved, and you say there's, because of the work that these people have done to try to you know secure their water rights and actually get that on paper and get that legal and all above board and they're, they've been trying to iron that out now for decades you talk about a promise uh of we're gonna work this out and we don't want to shut you up but hans is shut off here's here's the what changed for hans hans is um the reason hans is in under the microscope here is because he's on the river he also applied for a surface water right several years ago that was provided for about eight, nine farmers right along the river. That called the Nooksack Nine mm -hmm. by many. Um, yep. Hans has never really used that right to a large degree, but he was looking for ways to try to get himself legal so he'd make sure that everything was taken care of. Uh, the problem with that is that the only way that right was, uh, um, was provided was in an interruptible fashion to say, you may use that water until such time as the river below drops below a certain standard, a two-week standard that the river is put on. Uh, every two weeks, there's a level that is supposed to be a minimum flow. And if the water is below that minimum flow, you can no longer use that water, the irrigation water. And so these all have interruptible rights. And unfortunately, with changing climate, different kind of conditions, we've seen that only a couple weeks out of the year in June and maybe early July that farmers are able to irrigate. And after that, that river drops below the minimum flow and is no longer able for those interruptible rights to be used. So who sets that number? I that mean, was is that set in law in the state in 1985. So that's and the in-stream in flow, flow rule that we hear for about. For the Nooksack River and all its tributaries. That's correct. There's an actual number for all the tributaries in the river on a two-week basis that we're supposed to be meeting. Now, we don't always meet it. We can't always meet it. It was set on the average, so there's a lot of question about the numbers. But the reality is the law, and the ecology mm -hmm. doesn't just get to decide when they right. want to enforce the law, and they can't. They're put in a tough position just like farmers are. But Hans, what's happened is that people have watched those Nooksack 9 with a really with a microscope. Now, are they using water? So Hans is irrigating. After that flow went down, somebody reports him. He, the ecology goes out and says, you know, hey, you can't really be irrigating. Um, and it's true, he shouldn't be irrigating, but he, like about 
300 other farmers are in the same boat. He just is under the microscope. Well, the, the assumption with him being reported was that he was pumping from the river using that was surface. The assumption, and then they found out, no, he actually wasn't pumping from the right. river. He was pumping from his well, that's right. which at the outset you'd say, oh, that's okay. He's not violating what he was reported for as a potential violation. But then they he dug deeper. violating the fact that he didn't have a permitted water use on that, on that groundwater well. Right. The frustrating part in all this, and by the way, we're talking with Henry Beerlink right now. Dylan Honkoop with you here on, on the farming show here on KGMI. Henry Beerlink, executive director of the Ag Water Board, involved uh, with the watershed improvement districts here in Whatcom County. He's also uh, head of Washington State Red Raspberry Commission, uh, and, and you're involved with potatoes and so many other things around agriculture in Whatcom County have been for a long time, and, and this water issue has been... I mean, this has been one of your big things for your career here, um, and, and few people around here know as much about all of this as you do. The frustrating part about this story of Hans and, and, and not only its potential to expand to a lot of other farmers who could fall in the same boat, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, is that here's a guy who's trying to do everything right. And even, I mean, just all the other things, not even directly related to this, how he runs his farm, very conscious of a lot of, it's an organic operation. He does intensive rotational grazing. Uh, he puts a lot of thought into doing things the right way. And he's been trying to do his water use the right way as well. He wants to be legal. He wants to find a way to get those rights, to do the paperwork, to pay the money to whatever it is to get himself in a position where he can use water legally and continue his farming operation. And he's feeling like right now he doesn't, at least in the immediate, doesn't have any option, any way to, to do that. What's, what's the answer here? Well, first of all, I would say that Hans is, um, he, he is like a lot of other farmers. And the vast majority of our farmers are in that very same boat. We all, that's why 300 and some applications went in in, in the 90s to try to get legal, to do it right, make sure that we're not doing it be under the, under the table, that kind right. of thing. Nobody wants that kind of thing, including the farmers and the ag community or the tribes. We want to get this all worked out. The problem is the laws haven't always been allowing it. They've been more in the way than actually helping us mm. get things done, and it's really hard to change laws at the state level or the federal level. But we, we are making some progress. We really are. And um, I suspect that we will figure out a way. There will be tools that we need to have to be able to address these problems. We've addressed some problems. We just haven't, and we'll have water for haunts, I'm convinced, by next year. It's going to take some work, but we will figure out a way to get that done but we need to do this for every farm not and, just and that's the farm. issue here it's really right. not just about haunts no. again he's, he's just, just the just tip the of the tip, exactly tip of the iceberg yeah. here mm -hmm. so what do we do for all these people what does that solution look like well it, it, it's a negotiated solution it's a community-based solution we look we have been advocating come uh, the drainage-based management and apply that we would look at the, the drainage or the stream flow or the like Bertrand Creek or or um, or fish trap or some of those others and say what works within this particular basin for both drainage water quality 
and for water rights, water quantity, and how can we make that work? We may have to augment streams at certain time of the year to make sure that the fish have enough water. We need to convert from groundwater to sur- I mean, surface to groundwater. In Which some a lot cases, of that's been happening. We are doing a yeah. lot of those kind of things. Uh, sometimes even the law gets in the way of doing that, though. Even the right thing, the law gets in the way of. So all of us need to be working on changing some of those kind of things, and we are. And well, we're developing I'll, tools like water banks, a lot yeah. of those kind of things that will, that will help us get this done. I'll ask you this question, though. I mean, th- these farmers have been, been trying to solve this for a long time. That's right. Yep. Um, there's been a lot of sleep lost over this issue, a lot of concern about the future on, for a lot, a lot of, <laughs> a ton of people in this As community. As there should be. This is a serious issue. Yep. I, f- farming, more than anything else, needs water. To survive, well, I put fish in the same boat. Yes, but the fish other, the more fish than anything, even more than farmers. But right. yeah, and 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 the tribe more than anything right. to enjoy its rights and and to continue their culture needs water. So yeah, back to our original questions. That's right. Certainly, the, these are incredibly important. But if this has been so long that the, these farmers have been trying to get legal in what they're doing. Why, why, is, why are we still talking? I mean, you talk about things that can be done. Why haven't they been done already? And what are our assurance that, that this is going to be dealt with rather than just continue, you know, these applications right. that these people have made close right. to 30 years ago still languishing on someone's desk somewhere? Mm-hmm. What's going to move this forward to actually get it done? Well, I'll, I'll actually give credit to the last little piece of legislation that, legis- that the legislature came to mm. last year. It was a... A uh, convoluted kind of thing at the end of the day, but it provided us an opportunity to make some changes in law. And uh, I think that's an opportunity we're going to try to take as best we can, not just as an ag community, but as a complete community. So we're working on those things with our planning unit, our water management board, which includes farmers and and includes the cities and the county mm-hmm. and the ecology and the tribes and everybody works on those things together. And and, and it also really comes down to developing a little bit of trust in each other and the ability to try to get some things done together rather than always worried that um, that somebody's trying to pull something behind right. your back. And that's often been the case of the legislature. And I like where we are with the county. I think we got the right people in the right spots, uh, including leadership of the tribes and so forth and in ag and that we have an opportunity to get some things done, and it's going to be a shame if we don't get it done in the next few number of years. Do you think we're at a tipping point on this issue where something is actually finally going to happen after all these years? From my perspective, being in this for 30 years, I think we've been building in the right direction, ups and downs from Taiwan, but I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happier to be where we are right now than where we've been in the past, and I think there's opportunities. All right, Henry Beerlink, Executive Director of the Ag Water Board, thank you for your time this morning explaining this complicated issue. Obviously, there's so many details that we could have gone into um but we just don't have time this morning thanks for being here anytime